Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Now we finished up chapter 4, didn't we? In chapter 5 today, then. Huh? We haven't been all the way through it. No. Ephesians chapter 5. But did I talk about each verse? When did I do this? Oh, when I was, yeah, chapter 5 is where I'm supposed to be, right? Yeah. I don't remember exp- trying to expound chapter 5. Huh? But I did chapter 4. That's what I meant. I finished up chapter 4, now I'm supposed to start in chapter 5. Okay. That's what I thought. Man, I'm about to lose it. As Paul starts here in chapter 5, uh, I'm going to try to get through the first almost half of the chapter. But anyway, now he's writing to the church at Ephesus. A church that is at Ephesus. Not not everybody all over the world. All right. So he says to them, be ye. You all be, that's an imperative. Therefore, followers of God. That word follower could also be imitator. If you're going to follow God, you've got to imitate him to some degree. We never do it perfectly, but we are to do it to some degree. Be ye holy, for I am holy, he says. In that sense, all right? Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, dear is agapato. And it's used about... Seven or eight times in the New Testament. And every time it it is rendered uh, beloved. A dear child is a beloved child. Now you're not supposed to talk about this. But every one of you that's got multiple children. You love them all. 
But there's probably one that's a little more special. I know you, you're not supposed to agree. You're not even supposed to smile. You're supposed to be stone-faced here. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. There's always one that's a dear child. That's one who is obedient and is very loyal to you. Now that's what he's talking about here. Be ye followers of God as dear children, beloved children. Well, look at all the youngins that uh, Jacob had. But did he have a dear child? Joseph, right? Well, I'm just, that's just the way it is. <clears throat> and he said, walk in love. Now, this is not the kind of love the world talks about. It just isn't. Because it says, as Christ also has loved us. Now, how did Christ love us? He gave everything he had for his people. And then he suffered and died for them. So that's the kind of love he's saying walk in. And that's why I say the world knows nothing of that kind of love. Hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now that is not Savior. That is Savor. It doesn't have a U in it. Savor. Smell. Odor. I heard a preacher the other day. Been preaching a long time. He pronounced Savor as Savior. He ought to know better. It's a crying shame that a man has been preaching as long as he's been preaching doesn't know any better. It kind of makes me wonder what else doesn't he know any better. Anyway, This is a burnt offering that is all burnt up and becomes a smelling, a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. And that's what Christ sacrificed for us. And he says for us to walk in that kind of love. Now I realize how far short we'll all fall of that. But we're supposed to be in the ballpark there. 
By contrast, though, but fornication. Now that word is porne, porneo. The same word we get pornography from. But fornication and all acatharsis, uncleanness. Whatever clean is, it's the opposite. Or covetousness. Let it be not once named among you as becometh saints. Become a saints of God. And it ain't talking about dead saints. It's talking about live saints. So, fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Well, look at Colossians 3, 5 real quick. He says to the Colossae church, mortify therefore, that means kill them, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Well, the word covetousness is used quite a bit. About ten times. And uh, it's idolatry. Well, let's think about it. It's one of the top ten. Thou shalt not covet. Well, coveting, it's pretty much something that is material or a talent or a gift that someone has. And it it is idolatry because if you're gone to the point, to the extreme of coveting something, then that is your God right there. Yes. Whatever it is. And so that's why we need to beware of covetousness. Now one time, I was talking about this other day, years ago. Brother James might remember it, I don't know. We had to exclude a man from our congregation. And it was for the reason of covetousness. Do you remember that, brother? And all my days, I've never heard of a church doing that. Look at 1 Corinthians 5. And I guess this is why I'm not on everybody's top of the list of popularity. I guess this is why. 
But 1 Corinthians 5, in verse 9, he says, I wrote them to you in an epistle. There's another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He wrote first and second, but there was another letter. Not to company. Now that's church company. With fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters for then must you needs go out of the world. You can't get yourself separated from all those kind of people and still live in this world. But now I have written unto you, verse 11, not to keep company. That is church company. That's what he's talking about. If any man that's called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, no, not to eat. He's talking about the Lord's Supper. All right. Now, does, does the Bible instruct churches of the Lord to withdraw fellowship from covetous people? Well, here's what I asked one time in preaching on this. Because I've asked at several conferences I've preached at. Do y'all ever know of anybody being excluded from a church for covetousness? Never got a hand. I've asked that several times. I said, well, I do. It's my church. I said, now there's one or two things going on here. There's no question the Bible commands that. So either we've about eliminated covetousness or else we've got so much of it we can't recognize it when we see it. Which one do you think is true? Number one or number two there? Now, but he tells us to beware of covetousness. Uh, we've got a covetous world around us. We've just finished the big holiday that helps to create more covetousness every year. It gets worse and worse and worse. And you see kids piled up with toys, with presents. And they're mad because they didn't give what they wanted. This happens all over. You think I'm just spitting in the wind? Or am I telling the truth? It's all, it's all for the kids. Well, that's what's going on with the kids. We're creating Covetous people that they think life is getting what you want. We've got it on the news media. All these people have been denied the, the American dream. They couldn't get a loan on the house. 
You know, that has nothing to do with the American dream. Our forefathers and mothers came here looking for religious liberty. The liberty to worship and serve God as the Bible dictates without Uncle Sam sticking his nose in your business. As they've been trying to do for the last three years. And most people let them. <coughs> well, that's what the American dream is all about. Is individual liberty. That's what the Constitution says. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It didn't say which direction it goes. It's not up to Joe Biden to peel off a little money and say, I'm going to give you this money so you'll vote for me. But we ought not to be walking in fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. A man's life doesn't consist in the, abund- the abundance of things which he possesses. You ever, see the, you ever see the bumper sticker? Whoever dies with the most toys wins. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you, you die with them. You ain't carrying them on. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. And I think the context of that doesn't mean it's wrong to laugh. But that foolish jesting and uh, foolish talking is with the Raw stuff. But rather, the things which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I'll tell you what, you can get be around a bunch of people and you can start talking about being thankful to God for what you have. You'll calm everybody down, but in a matter of two or three sentences, bye-bye, they're gone. They don't want to hear all that. They're enjoying their hatred, their lustfulness, all kinds of lust. You know, they got on it television on the so-called reality they've got neighborhood wars now neighbors fighting and killing each other Uh, road wars road rage been lots of people murdered in road rage and people not going to quit it 
They enjoy being murderous. That's a lust of the flesh. They enjoy being angry. You can talk on a job. You can get everybody involved in a conversation if you start talking against the job. You can't. They'll all talk. They'll all wade in there. And if you say anything decent about it, oh, you're just a company man, huh? There you go. Yeah. I always said if you don't like your job, quit it. Nobody make you keep it. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that. Well, the truth is you hired on to do your job. Do your job. You get paid for your job, do it. But you can stir them up in a heartbeat. Well, that's what do you, how do you think a riot gets started? You can, you can destroy a company by fomenting rebellion in that workforce. You really can. Anyway, rather giving of thanks. I remember one, one day I was in Lexington Baptist College and Going full time, and I'll never forget it. I had a house I was painting, supporting my family, and going to school full time, and preaching. And of course, I was a house painter. I had an inside job, a lawyer, his wife, wanted me to paint their house. I gave them a price on it, wrote it out, and they accepted it. And I suppose start it like January the 3rd. And I mean, you know, it wasn't as cold as we just saw it. We had more snow and ice. There's no way I can find work, outside work like that, is there? Can you think, no, not with what I was doing. You couldn't mow grass and you couldn't paint houses. But I had that inside job. That it was going to carry me through till the spring would break and I called up the lady and I said Miss so and so this Jerry Gum I'm ready ready to start on, on your job oh Mr. Gum I meant to call you about that I said we're not going to do that till the summertime well whether she knew it or not she knocked my props out from under me buddy because there I am in the dead of winter with no job What am I going to do? I almost quit school, but I didn't. Just about did. But I mean, we were down. Uh, we had some grits and stuff at home, you know. Not much else. I was out every day as soon as school was over, 1230, trying to beg for work. I even went to service stations, asked them if I could clean the restrooms for them. I'd have done anything. I wasn't too good to take a dirty job. I'd have taken anything I could have found. Well, I got a phone call. In those days, you had a phone to the house. You didn't have a cell phone. An old boy, Orville Butts, he was terminal manager at Hackle Motor Freight. He said, Jerry, Orville Butts over at Hackle. Hey, how you doing, man? Good. 
He said, I wonder if you could come in and uh, work the extra board for me. I said, I'm on my way. <laughs> Man. I had to find a pair of pants decent enough to wear. Didn't have paint all over But I went to the freight docks to haul freight. Thanking the Lord. I mean, that was big money then. That was $3.33 union scale. I didn't make money like that. So I got over there. And I got my bills. Got my trailer loaded. It was a, it was a road trailer, a tractor. And it was full of IBM cards. Remember them? Those boxes? 45-pound boxes. And every single one of them had to be picked up and restacked on a pallet because you had to read the label where they went. Well, of course, it was a load that the others didn't want. It's too much work to it. Because every box, I mean, that was a, probably, a, in those days, probably a, 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 a 45, no more than a 48-foot trailer. But that's a long trailer. And they're stacked too high all the way back. And every one of them's got to be handled. They bring you a pallet, and you handle it. Satan put it on this pallet and put them together. Well, I backed into that dock over at W.T. Young Warehouse, opened them doors, backed in there, and it was like, it was probably on January the 2nd or something. It was early January. Uh, anyway, well, maybe it wasn't that, it was a little bit later than that, not much. Anyway, there was three or four guys that worked on the dock there. Man, they looked at that trailer and they started cussing. I mean, take the Lord's name and vain and all that. I said, boys, let me tell you something. I'd appreciate it if you take your filthy mouths away from here. I said, I'll do the trailer by myself. I said, I've been thanking God all the way from the dock over here that I've got this work. And you running your mouth cursing God's providence. I said, now, I don't know that he's not going to bring this building down on your head, and I don't want to be around you when he does. I said, so just get on over there, and I'll unload the trailer by myself, and then I'll go back and get another one. Well, they couldn't do that because they'd got fired. But they shut their mouths, and I did. Got that trailer unloaded, went back to the dock, and loaded up another one. And that's why he called me. Because he knew I got the job done. <laughs> but I thank God for that. And everybody cussing. And I'm thanking God for it. That's what he tells us to do. Amen. That's where we are supposed to be. Well, God help us to learn these lessons, man. I'm still learning. For, because this, you know, verse 5. That no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
You say, what's that mean? It means what it says. Let no man deceive you with empty words. Vain words, empty words. Such as, oh, well, we're in modern times now. This is in the 21st century. And all that old stuff about sin and all that stuff, that's all passe. It's gone. There's no more worry about all that. Ain't no God going to do nothing to you. Those are vain words. For because of these things, that's what he's been talking about here, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Well, I certainly don't want to be included in that bunch. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That means don't pal around with them in all of their wickedness. For ye were sometimes darkness. That doesn't just mean spotted every now and then. Sometime, however long it's been, before you were saved, you were darkness. Just like that. But now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Uh, look, Colossians one twelve. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or suitable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's where the inheritance is, is in light. That's where to be walking in light. Look at Matthew 5. Verse 14, Jesus says, Now he says this to his disciples, his apostles. The first Baptist church of Jerusalem is who he's saying this to. You all are the light of the world. And the city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men put a light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. The saints in light, we are. The light of the world. And we're to walk as children of the light. Verse 9. Because the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We remember the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, peace. And in walking that way, we're proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. 
Well, I want the, I want the Lord to accept me on walk like this. That's why people say, I'm going to find out what the Lord wants. Read the Bible. Amen. That's how you find out what the Lord wants. And everything you oh, the Lord wants this, the Lord wants you to do it. Where? Give me scripture on that. Where does the Lord want you to be happy? Are you happy? God wants you to be happy. Where does it say that? He didn't ask Lazarus if he was happy. <laughs> he didn't ask Job if he was happy. Where does it say that? It doesn't say it at all. If you want to know what the Lord expects, what the Lord wants, here we, here we go. Anyway. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Works of darkness, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, what in the world could that be talking about? I think I have some of it right here. The Masons and the Shriner, you know, you got to be a, I think, a 32nd degree Mason to be a Shriner. The Shriners are the ones that wear those little Muslim hats. If you ever notice a Shrine Temple, they've got a quarter moon with a star in it on top of it. But they have a lot of fun. Uh, most don't know that the actual title of the Shriner organization is the Ancient Arabic Order Nobles of the Mystic Shrine. Not only is the shrine openly evocative of Arab culture, the shrine is actually the sacred shrine of Islam the Kaaba in Mecca. That's a rock that they worship. And that's also the shrine of the Shriners. You see now why they're not allowed to mention the name of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Few outsiders realize that behind its exotic Clownish exterior, the shrine ceremonial is steeped in demonic Islamic religion, utterly foreign to the God of the Bible. Here's the shrine. Part of the pledge they take, becoming a shriner. They must swear this oath on the holy book of Islam, the Quran. They swear on the Quran. Huh? In addition to the Bible ending thus, and may Allah, the God of Arab, Muslim, and Mohammedan, 
The God of our fathers support me to the entire fulfillment of the same amen, amen, amen. That's the shrine ritual. The shriner is swearing in the name of Allah. Contrary to popular belief, the Islamic Allah is not just another name for the true God. He has no more resemblance to the God of the Bible than does the great architect. And that's what they say if you do what the, what the, what the Masons tell you to do, that's what their, their chaplain says, then you'll go to be with that great architect in the sky. Like I said, the, the Kaaba, uh, is a rock that they worship, and so does the Shriners. Uh, the Muslim denies the deity of Jesus Christ and his resurrection to say nothing of the gospel of grace. Islam denies all the cardinal fundamentals of the Christian faith. You cannot be a faithful Christian and call Allah the God of our fathers. Amen. The Shriner is calling a demon named Allah his God. Pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Well... I don't have time to get into all of that. It's a good book. Uh, and the oaths that they take, they do take oaths that if they ever reveal any of the secrets, they will allow themselves to be disemboweled. They take oaths like that. All right. But see here what Paul said. Have no fellowship. See, they've got all kinds of secrets. They say the true name of God is Yah Baal On. That's got that's Jehovah there. Jehovah, Baal, and the Egyptian sun god. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. You see, darkness and secrecy, that is foreign to a child of God. We're not to be secretive. We're not hiding anything. Paul said we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. But we declare ourselves servants of God, servants of you, for his name's sake. And we don't hide anything. That's why I don't trust a preacher that won't let you ask questions. A preacher that don't want you to ask questions, he's either too stupid to answer them and he knows it, or else he's trying to hook you on something. Questions are valuable. Anyway, it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest, brought forth. Manifest, brought forth. See the light. By the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, 
not as fools, but as wise. Our church covenant says that we will walk circumspectly. Looking around. Looking around. You know, you can get in trouble not looking where you're walking. How many people have been reading, been doing their phone and run right smack dab into a telephone pole or a light pole or run out in the car, get hit by a car? Oh, we're always to be looking around spiritually as well as physically. Not as fools, but as wise. See, a fool would blindfold himself and then walk. But redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, redemption is a buying back from the slave market of sin. That's what Christ has done for his people. We are to redeem the time, buy it back. How do you buy it back? You don't let it go wasted. You buy it back and you use it for the honor and glory of God. Why? Because the days are evil. That means they're near. Ain't going to be long as it has been. Boy, I'm an old man now and I am. But it doesn't seem like just yesterday. I said this morning, I've been doing this 51 years, welcoming the new year in right here at Richmond Old Baptist Church. 51 years. Y'all realize that? It doesn't seem like it just got started. I don't know how many more it's going to be. may not be another one. This may have been the last one. I don't know. Could be. So, people die. People die all the time. I've watched the obituaries this past month. There have been a bunch of people that have died under 40. A bunch of them. So, you know, redeem the time because the days are evil. You don't know how much time you've got. You've got a certain amount. And you kids, you don't have the time to lay up in bed and waste every day. You don't have time. Your childhood is to get you ready for adulthood. And what are you doing to get yourself ready for adulthood? And we believers, what are we doing to redeem the time and send it on ahead and honor the Lord with it? Ain't got much time left. Let's all stand.